California, the Golden State, a state with pockets of vast wealth, economic growth, and a robust social safety net, but also the highest poverty rate in the nation. That's why the Cato Project on Poverty and Inequality in California is trying to find innovative solutions to this ongoing crisis. And welcome to all of our friends from California and across the country. I know we have people tuning in from uh, everywhere in the U.S. And indeed, our friends from around the world. We have people watching this from several countries as well. So I want to thank you all for tuning in today. We have a very important conference today on after COVID, building an inclusive economy for California. Uh, we are finally seeing a light at the end of the tunnel in the COVID pandemic. And as we begin to recover, we want to ensure that that recovery is equitable and that it is uh, something that all Californians can participate in. And speaking of participation, we would like you to participate in the discussion for this event. Uh, you can submit your questions on Twitter if you're watching us through Twitter. Uh, you can use the hashtag Cato California. Uh, if you're on Facebook Live or YouTube or the Cato event platform, you can simply use the, uh, the normal uh, question uh, issues that are provided for you there. And of course, there's a special place on the platform if you turn it into the official event, uh, event platform. So there's lots of ways you can be part of this, and we hope you will ask your questions of our speakers as we move forward. Uh, and then, of course, I also want to mention that after some of the panels today, we're going to have special breakout rooms where you can keep the discussion going. So we hope you'll be an active participant uh, rather than just sort of watching this in the background. We really need your input, your ideas, and your questions to make this a success. So thank you very much for that. Uh, California is in an interesting position. Uh, certainly, even before the pandemic, it was a state, as we mentioned in the introduction, that it was experiencing solid economic growth. Uh, in the five years before the pandemic hit, uh, the average economic growth was 5.8 percent, which is which is quite reasonable. But even then, there were signs of trouble. Uh, CNBC in its annual uh, index of top states for business ranks California as 32nd. Uh, in the nation, which I guess is okay, but certainly nothing to be particularly proud of. And Forbes ranks California 47th for business costs and 40th for regulatory environment. So clearly, even before the pandemic hit, there were barriers to entrepreneurship and barriers to business in California. But those were made much worse by the pandemic. Uh, San Francisco, San Jose, and Oakland are all in the top 10 U.S. cities for small businesses that have closed permanently as a result of the pandemic and lockdowns and other associated public health measures that have been taking place, uh, you have three of the top 10 cities uh, for shutting down small business. And in fact, San Francisco is the number one city in, in the country for losing small business. Half of small businesses in, in San Francisco have closed permanently as a result of the pandemic. That's an enormous cost. It's a cost being uh, felt by all Californians, of course, but in particularly low-income Californians, uh, typically dis uh, underserved populations, minority populations, and who businesses have always uh, struggled, they have been hit particularly hard. Uh, it's estimated that low-wage workers suffered job losses in the 24% range at the height of the pandemic, 
compared to just five or six percent in the top income categories. Uh, and in terms of the recovery, we've talked repeatedly about a K-shaped recovery in which people who have white collar jobs and high incomes have found it rather easy to return uh, or to ride out the pandemic. I, for example, was able easily to work from home, uh, to simply move my business here. Uh, most Cato scholars have been able to do that. But if, of course, if you're a waiter or a waitress, it's a mu much harder to try to do something like that and simply pick up your boot uh, and start working from home during the pandemic. And it's very likely that you may not have a business to go back to. Uh, among households with incomes below $40,000 a year in California, 69% reported that someone in their household had lost a job, had reduced hours, or had lost wages as a result of the pandemic. Uh, that compares to only about 5% of people in the top uh, income categories who felt those same things. We're holding this conference because we, we want to take advantage of the opportunities in rebuilding California to ensure that we have an inclusive economy in California. That is one in which every Californian can participate and which opportunities are there for every Californian to start a business, to find a job, to basically to be able to support themselves and their families, to become masters of their own destiny, masters of their own fate. That is ultimately the whole underlying idea of the Cato Project on Poverty and Inequality in California. We wanna be able to allow people to be in charge of their own lives. We believe that individuals can do more for themselves, the government can do, but we wanna certainly wanna look at those barriers that government is certainly is erecting right now to people being able to do that. And so we've got a number of scholars today. We've got people representing academia. We've got people representing business. We've got activists. We've got people who are taking a wide variety of viewpoints on this. Ideologically, it's a cross-section. We have the liberals, conservatives, libertarians. Uh, I guarantee you will find somebody saying something you don't like, uh, which is just fine. Uh, I'm sure I don't like everything that everyone's going to say. And that's why we want you to get involved. Once again, you can submit your questions uh, and comments. Uh, through a variety of platforms. If you're on Twitter, you can use the hashtag Cato California. Otherwise, uh, you can use these uh, designated question uh, platforms that are with each, with, with each of the ways you're watching this. Um, so with that, we're going to go ahead and get started. Our first speaker today is my colleague, Chris Edwards, uh, who is Director of Tax Policy Studies at Cato. He is also the, uh, the author of Downsizing Government and the uh, editor of downsizinggovernment.org. Uh, he has just released a new study uh, that's come out called Entrepreneurs and Regulation, Removing State and Local Barriers to Business. And he's going to tell us a little bit about how California is doing uh, compared to other states and some of the problems that he's found in California in terms of business growth and development. So with that, I'll turn it over to you, Chris. It's all yours. Uh, well, thank you very much, Mike. Uh, as Mike touched on, this is a very important conference because California has a lot of recovery, recovery to do. California's unemployment rate at 8.3% is still uh, substantially above the national average of 6%. So California needs jobs and therefore it needs entrepreneurs to create jobs. Uh, startup businesses create most net new jobs in the economy. So ensuring that California has a supportive environment for new businesses is crucial for a broad-based recovery. 
Uh, restaurants, uh, of course, were hammered during the pandemic uh, last year with thousands of them closing across California. So California will need thousands and thousands of restaurant startups uh, in coming months and coming years to make up uh, what was lost. So what can policymakers do to remove barriers uh, to new restaurants and other types of startups? Well, in a new Cato uh, study, uh, I argue that uh, unneeded regulations, uh, there are unneeded regulations in every city and every state that they can and should be reduced to increase uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, I'm going to run uh, through a few of those suggestions uh, today. Uh, some of these uh, you will certainly uh, will have heard of and uh, indeed will be discussed today. Uh, others may not be uh, so familiar uh, to you. So first, uh, excessive occupational licensing is a problem in every state. Uh, some occupations may not need to be licensed. Uh, a system of voluntary certification may be a much better way to open access to careers, especially for entry-level people. Uh, excessively high minimum wages can be a barrier to start up businesses, uh, especially businesses that hire a lot of entry-level workers, such as restaurants. Uh, we all want wage growth at the bottom end, but we have to be cognizant of the fact that small businesses tend to have much lower wage structures uh, than big businesses. And indeed, that's one of the ways that small businesses are able to compete against big businesses. Uh, about half of all minimum wage workers uh, are employed at businesses with less than 100 people. So the minimum wage uh, is really an important issue for small businesses. Now let me uh, move to uh, discuss a few regulatory barriers that you may be less uh, familiar with, or at least that get less attention uh, in the media. Uh, one of these is alcohol licensing for restaurants. Uh, 18 states, including California, impose caps on the number of alcohol licenses uh, by county. California counties have a set number of licenses. Uh, and so uh, if you want to open a restaurant, you have to buy one of these uh, often on the, on the open market. And the costs in some cities of an alcohol license for a restaurant uh, can run up to $300,000, at least uh, in some cities, at least before the pandemic. This is a big issue for startup restaurants because, of course, restaurants earn much of their profits uh, from booze. Uh, these laws tend to be biased against lower income and independent entrepreneurs who can't afford the high license costs. Uh, alcohol license caps are an important barrier to economic development in lower income neighborhoods. Uh, let me quote uh, from a 2018 San Francisco news story uh, on this issue. Uh, quote, with the full cost of a liquor license uh, in San Francisco uh, now running as much as $300,000, restaurant and bar owners in the city's outlying lower income neighborhoods have all been but drained of the ability to serve liquor and cocktails at restaurants, unquote. When states impose alcohol license caps like California, it is the fancy restaurants in the wealthy parts of cities that get them and it creates a barrier to economic development and entrepreneurs in lower income areas of cities. So this is an important issue I think that California reformers should look at. Uh, let me talk about marijuana laws. There is a similar problem with marijuana. Uh, pot legalization in California was a big step forward and it opened many opportunities for entrepreneurs. Uh, but California, like a number of other states, have really botched the implementation of marijuana legalization with too many regulations. Only one third of California cities and counties allow pot businesses and nearly all of them put strict limits on the number of businesses. 
Uh, this works against independent and lower income entrepreneurs. Uh, news stories suggest that it is often the bigger businesses and the political insiders that get the licenses uh, in California. Uh, the Los Angeles Times reported in November uh, that, quote, since California voters legalized recreational cannabis four years ago, allegations of conflicts of interest, bribery and bias in the permitting process have plagued cities and counties, unquote. Uh, California cities, uh, quote, allow pot operations typically that allow pot operations typically place strict limits on the number of licenses they issue as well as their locations. With permits limited, it is speculated that they could be worth millions of dollars and competition for them can be uh, fierce, unquote. There's been many stories in the California media. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar uh, with the unfairness uh, of the of the uh, marijuana uh, licensing uh, procedures. Uh, the way the way forward, it seems to me, is to uh, liberalize these rules, to repeal these uh, arbitrary caps on the number of marijuana uh, businesses. Another issue I write about in my upcoming Cato study uh, is uh, the, the whole issue of home-based businesses. About half of America's 30 million businesses are home-based, uh, and most uh, new business startups uh, start in homes and garages. Most famously, companies like Amazon, Apple, and Hewlett Packard uh, started in entrepreneur uh, garages. Uh, a huge variety of businesses, of course, is run out of homes, daycare providers and music teachers and small-scale food producers, yoga teachers, dog groomers, hairstylists, bloggers, high-tech startups, and many, many others. Of course, with the internet and new tools like Zoom, it's easier than ever and more efficient to run a small business out of your home. There's one big problem, however, and that is local government zoning rules that ban or restrict home-based businesses in residential neighborhoods. There are, of course, legitimate concerns about uh, externalities of running businesses out of, uh, out of homes in residential neighborhoods. But in my new study, I discuss that, in my view, many local, many local governments lean far too much in the direction of banning uh, or restricting home-based businesses. Uh, this is a really important issue because homes provide a low-cost incubator for small businesses uh, that may not otherwise not be viable if entrepreneurs had to rent space and they had to pay for childcare and they have to pay for commuting costs. Home-based businesses create opportunities for people like single moms uh, who may be caring for children or maybe uh, caring for elderly adults. So I think this whole issue of home-based businesses, it's got some attention, but I think there should be a lot more focus on local governments on liberalizing these rules. Uh, a final issue I'll touch on this morning uh, is the whole issue of local uh, local building permitting for brick and mortar startups. Uh, building permitting continues to be a very lengthy and costly process in many cities. Of course, in California, the whole building uh, permitting uh, issue uh, has been in the spotlight because of the high cost of home building in California and the, and the resulting high prices for homes. But this is also very a very important issue for small businesses. Uh, businesses such as restaurants often wait many months, often a year longer, just to get the uh, permits and licenses they need uh, to open a business, uh, all the while paying monthly uh, rent for uh, a, a space that they, they can't uh, they can't utilize and, and, and earn revenue on. So these sorts of costly uh, delays uh, may not be so bad for uh, some big businesses. 
But again, for independent entrepreneurs, for people with less money, uh, I think this whole issue of uh, permitting reform and speeding uh, permitting and licensing at the city level is very important uh, to spur more startup businesses. So I'm going to wrap up there. Uh, I think there's a lot of work to do by state and local governments, including in California, uh, to create a better environment for entrepreneurs, both home-based entrepreneurs and brick-and-mortar entrepreneurs. Uh, I'm going to pass it uh, back to Mike now, and I, I look forward to listening to uh, other comments today. Uh, again, this is uh, it's a really uh, it's a great topic for our conference. Uh, thanks a lot, Mike. Mike, you need to unmute. Knew that would happen eventually. Uh, Bill Gates talking to me through my through my COVID vaccine. It, it just you know it happens from time to time. I was thanking you for that and saying you gave us a lot to think about. And once again, it tends to think that we are on the uh, you know the people who are well connected and the people who know how to play the game, uh, the elites, so to speak seem to be able to do pretty well uh, under these type of conditions, but it's the marginalized communities, the people who haven't been part of the uh, the game for a long time, have been locked out, uh, they seem to do even worse uh, with all these regulations. So people talk a lot about good intentions in these uh, these regulations when they're put in, but they tend to hurt the very people that they, they want to help most. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Once again, I wanna tell people that they can ask their questions on Twitter using the hashtag Cato California, but they can also simply type them in on the event platform, uh, on Swapcard, on uh, YouTube, uh, or on Facebook Live. Uh, all, we'll take questions from all of those places and people can send them in. A uh, couple of questions, not surprisingly, immediately go to housing and land use because it's such a huge problem in California. Uh, the question was, what about zoning reform uh, to make projects, particularly infill projects, uh, easier to do and basically lower costs. Uh, have you, you know, what did you encounter uh, in your studies uh, in that regard? So, I mean, there's there's two ways to think about this. One, you need legislative reforms uh, to uh, reform zoning to allow more, uh, as as that uh, questioner uh, talked about, uh, infill development and and more higher denser development. So, you need legislation for that. But a whole separate thing that cities can. Uh, can make reforms administratively is simply speeding the permitting process. I mean, I've read uh, about cities across the country that uh, have have substantially shortened the permitting, uh, the, the time it takes to run the permits through uh, the system. And these seem like common sense reforms that no one uh, should be against. It's just a matter of city bureaucracies uh, speeding up the processing. You know, I touched a little bit about uh, on corruption and marijuana. The marijuana and alcohol-related uh, licensing corruption uh, comes because there are, are caps put on uh, the number of uh, these business licenses. But there's also corruption in many cities across the country uh, in, in building permitting because the permitting is such a lengthy and cumbersome process. You will get businesses bribing and you will get insider deals to give the permits uh, quicker to the insiders, the people with the political connections who maybe are willing to pay bribes. Um, so, you know, 
per permitting reform to speed up the processes uh, is just, it's really important to uh, for, for independent entrepreneurs and to reduce these governance problems. Uh, so all sticking with uh, questions of land use, but tying it into your primary specialty of taxation, uh, I've got a question uh, from uh, in, in off of uh, you, uh, Twitter, that what about the land appreciation? Is land, you know, the sort of unearned income of land appreciation, uh, is that a more acceptable tax bill? Friedman, I believe, wrote about that a little bit. I know in California, of course, we have Proposition 13, which uh, limits taxes on, uh, on residences and businesses in terms of property taxes. Often that gets, gets passed on in terms of higher building fees uh, and impact fees for businesses. What, what's your thoughts on, on Prop 13 and on land taxes generally? So, you know, in general, as, as a lot of people know, Prop 13, you know, I'm in, I'm in favor of limiting government's taxing power. Prop 13 was, of course, a very complex way to do it and has created a lot of inequities. I mean, one reform that, that I'd like to see is I'd like to see uh, equal uh, taxation across the board, uh, residential, commercial, industrial. I mean, one of the problems now is that commercial properties uh, often pay higher tax rates. I'm not sure about California, but in many states and cities, commercial properties pay much higher tax rates uh, than than residential. Uh, I don't think that's good economics, and it also uh, is is a really anti-investment um, provision in a lot of tax codes. So I think uh, a lot of work needs to be done in evening out property tax rates. If we make the base broader, we can bring the the rate down and make it equal uh, across the board for everybody. Uh, Chris, you, you, one of your things in your study was you sort of looked at things across all 50 states. You made some comparisons, things like that. Are there states that are doing things right that, or that where California is getting things wrong? Are there states that California could learn from on anything in particular? Right. So some states, uh, so let's, you know, take, take these issues one by one in marijuana. Um, Colorado has a much more liberal system. It's easier to get business licenses for marijuana. Uh, in Colorado, that has uh, in Colorado, it doesn't seem to have a, a corruption problem there. It's easier for entrepreneurs to break into the business. Uh, some things uh, California does well on. I noticed that on occupational licensing, uh, California is actually, uh, you know, it has it tends to uh, have uh, fewer occupations need licensing. So California does uh, well there. Uh, of course, on taxation, California is a high tax state, which is never good for. Uh, for business and entrepreneurs. Um, so the, my, the results of my study come out in a, in, in a couple week, uh, in a couple weeks. California does not do uh, well uh, overall, although like I said, it does well on some things like occupational licensing. And, and, and I pointed out that, um, so with the restaurant alcohol licenses, uh, my research found that there's 18 states that put these uh, caps on uh, city uh, restaurant licenses, one of them being California. Uh, you know, these should be completely repealed. The other 30 states uh, don't have such um, caps on, on restaurant alcohol licenses. Um, but there are states actually even worse than uh, worse situation in California. New Jersey has this really draconian uh, restaurant uh, alcohol licensing regime where it can cost up to a million dollars. Uh, to get a, a restaurant uh, license uh, with a full alcohol license in, in New Jersey, which is one of the reasons 
Uh, there's a lot of uh, top chefs. They they put their restaurants in, in New York City and Manhattan and not in New Jersey, even though there's a lot of high earners in New Jersey that would like to go to uh, top restaurants. They simply can't get the uh, the license they need to open the, re the restaurants in New Jersey. So, you know, it, it seems like an obscure issue, but that the whole issue of alcohol uh, licensing at restaurants, it's actually really important in a lot in these states, the 18 states with 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 caps on the number of licenses. Well, thanks. Um, <clears throat> Warren Matthews, who uh, actually on the event platform, writes to us from Houston where he's watching this, and he notes that Houston has no, no zoning. Uh, he also points out, uh, and I think he applies it to zoning, but I think it applies to the whole host of these regulations that you're talking about, is that politicians benefit from these regulations, and, and this is a great way to rake in campaign contributions uh, is by promising various things in regards to regulation, keeping out uh, one group, uh, making erecting barriers to entry to protect incumbents, or promising that you'll cut through the red tape for some other incumbent or so on. Uh, how can you break the cycle, uh, if you will, where you know the, the people with the power to give money to the politicians who give more money, power to the people with money, and it just keeps circulating that way? Uh, you know, uh, all, all I can suggest is that it's up to California residents to sort of learn best practices for a lot of these industries uh, in from other states uh, for for entrepreneurs and businesses to point out that, you know, a lot of these there's a lot less regulations in neighboring states and lower taxes than in California. Um, hopefully, you know, we, we see some uh, a lot of discussion about businesses and entrepreneurs leaving California you know, hopefully the California policymakers uh, wake up and realize that, you know, this could be a long term drain on the uh, on, on the state. So uh, uh, that 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 commenter was absolutely right. I, I talked about uh, caps and the number of marijuana and uh, alcohol license uh, is in, in, in California and other states. You know, if you Google, there are so many stories about corruption related to these arbitrary caps that city governments uh, put on business licenses, and it makes no sense. Uh, you know, I, I am for, in favor of just, you know, uh, you know, with marijuana businesses, you know, certainly local zoning, uh, you know, regulations should apply to marijuana businesses, just like any other businesses. If you don't want, you know, marijuana businesses near schools and that sort of thing, that's great, that's fine. But it's these, these arbitrary caps where a city will say, you know, limit the number of marijuana businesses to say 10 or 15, it just creates this terrible dynamic uh, of, of, of insiders trying to get the inside track in City Hall. Well, thank you, Chris. I think we're going to leave it there. Uh, I do want everyone to know that we're going to be moving after this directly into our next panel, uh, which is on economic growth and underserved populations. But I wanted to thank you, Chris, for being part of this. I hope people, as uh, so you said, it's a couple of weeks it'll be coming out. I hope people will look up online your new study on entrepreneurs and regulation, removing state and local barriers to new business. Uh, I, I say I've read a draft of it and it's a particularly good study. Uh, once again, I wanna remind people that they can be part of this discussion, that they should uh, submit questions in the question box on their virtual event platforms on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Uh, also using Twitter, using the hashtag Cato California.